0: Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman.
2: I'm Amanda Dobbins.
0: Some topics today that I'm quite excited about. We're going to
2: talk about Julia Roberts' move to San
0: Francisco, which I just have so much to say. Uh, we're going to talk about Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston and the Fast Times at Ridgemont High live read that was conducted via internet. Um, some Megan and Harry Court case news that we want to hit on. But first, let's talk about the Emmys, which happened on Sunday evening, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. Um, Amanda,
2: did you watch them? I did watch the Emmys. i I didn't watch them live. And I think we want to talk about them. Well, I hope we can talk about them like as an awards show. Sure. Because I feel like that's a thing that we've been talking about. It's like, how do you do an awards show in 2020? Because quite frankly, uh, I haven't seen most of the TV shows that won awards (laughs) on Sunday night, just not a part of it. Been spending my time in other ways and that's okay. That is part of the joy of the uh, fragmentation of culture in 2020 is that you can find your own stuff. But I... I DVR them because there's one TV in this house and got to tell you all the events very jam-packed right now a lot of a lot of sports that someone else in my home really likes consuming and I kind of jump in and out on and then also the Emmys and a lot of movies and it's all happening on our TVs so I DVR'd it and I can't say I was looking forward to watching it because there's something about like a dvr awards show via zoom. It just, I was feeling like the compromise of 2020 in that premise. And as a result, I had a nice time. <laughs> um, I also kind of watched
0: leisurely. Um, I, I have to say, just a random plug. i love YouTube TV. It's just a great mm-hmm. streaming Service alternative to cable. It's so great, and I just I, I don't know. They made it very easy for me to watch it, <laughs> and uh, I like my. The highlight was definitely seeing people in their homes. Like for for us, like as we constantly talk about celebrity real estate and celebrity homes, like that was a real thrill, and it was really cool seeing who people were with. I mean, obviously, you know, probably Zendaya was like one of the most heartwarming parts of the whole show, and it was really lovely. Cool. It was just like so exciting to see her people be excited with her and for her. And I, you know, probably would have been really cool to be at the award show and to do that whole thing and then go to a party. But I feel like if you're not going to do that, getting look dressed up and just a, a gorgeous gown and mm-hmm. beautiful makeup and great hair and just doing it the way that Zendaya did is like kind of best case scenario. Um, I also think like similarly, the Shits Creek gang in Canada like having a party because they're able to in Canada and like having a gathering together, like also looked ideal. I, I, this is, there's almost nothing is ideal about what's happening in the world right now. However, I think there was a lot of good backups for many of these, p- these winners. And it, and like, it was just so awesome seeing people, um, at home and the moment with Uzo Aduba, where she yells for her mom at once Great stuff. Re- reminded me of Will Ferrell being like, mom, meatloaf. <laughs> in um, in, um, in Wedding Crashers. I was going to say Stars and Hatchwood's Wedding Crashers, but like that aside, also it was just like so sweet and real. And like as an adult woman who wants to share everything with my mother, I really related to that. And I just thought it was like so sweet. And I don't know, like seeing people at home and getting to see them like with the people that they've chosen to share this moment with was really cool to me. And I, I like thoroughly enjoyed that.
2: I 100% agree. And I think I was dreading like the, the zoom quality of it. You and I have talked about production yeah. values and just kind of missing like the shine a little. And I want to give a lot of credit to the people who produced the Emmys and did manage like a live stream. Didn't break to my knowledge. I confess. I fast forwarded through some of the Shit's Creek stuff. You know, it got a little repetitive, so maybe I missed something, but They the live streams worked, which we've all lived in 2020. We know how hard that is. Everyone showed up and you got to see the different amounts of, you know, how people conceptualized wanting to be at home, possibly winning an Emmy. I thought like all the children who were there were cute. I loved when people dressed up. I loved it when people didn't dress up. I like Helena Bottom Carter, who I believe lives in the UK, was like up at 3 a.m. just in her great living room. Respected that as well. Paul Maskell as well. Like, yes that, like that's true so good
0: also awake really um late for him oh my goodness it was it was great I have to say, um you know I, I thought that all the uh watchmen wins were really awesome because those that that crowd seemed just really really excited and the speech that Court jefferson gave was so great to um, ian his therapist to i ian, loved his it therapist that is the, probably now there's now two iconic speeches where people thank their therapist the first yeah. is meta world peace after the lakers won the championship and he he thanks his therapist and now core jefferson thanking ian and i absolutely loved it
2: yeah and we should also say i mean that was like the really charming that that was like the charming, memorable line from Court Jefferson Speaks, but I also, also thought he spoke like really eloquently about just like remembering history and yeah. that um, what the Watchman was about and the influence of the Tulsa massacre and, and connecting it to the present day. And it was interesting to watch people try to do what they could to speak to the current moment. And I, it's like, it, I think it's really hard in the context of awards award show through a computer with a trophy being handed to you by someone and possibly a hazmat suit. There's so much going on that I thought, uh, ever, like a lot of people were talking about voting plans and voting, which were great. Um, And by the way, vote and get a voting plan. But, I, you know, and I understand it's like very hard to walk a line in what is a sort of... um. It is supposed to be celebratory and definitely like a little silly event. Like that's what awards shows are. They are silly. But I was really moved by the people who um who were able to to speak with with feeling in this very weird context to the present moment. Another person who I whose acceptance speech I loved was um Yaya Abdul Medin Mateen from Watchmen, who dedicated his award to all the black women in his life. And it was it was lovely. It, and 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 it had like he was just there. I think he was sitting with one person on his couch and then the person left and let him have his moment. And he seemed like very excited about the experience of winning, but also was, you know, prepared. It was great. Loved it. He's so hot. I just, like, yes. we can't, we can't, <laughs> we can't discuss
0: him without just discussing how insanely attractive he is. And like also that <laughs> also a great actor. I love Watchmen. Also really happy Regina King won. I, I love Watchmen. I watched it like, I mean, everyone does how it's like an original thought, but I just say like, I watched it like three or four months after it came out. I watched the first episode when it premiered and then I kind of like left it on the shelf and came back to it in the winter and just like loved it so much. It was such a great immersive experience and also loved watching it with, with no commentary. So I could just think about it. And then also there's obviously connections to Oklahoma and the musical just, it's just so great. So it was just like very exciting to see it do so well. I think that was another fun part about the Emmys is that you got like all the great celebrities but then like the, the right shows won, like Schitt's Creek, mm-hmm. Watchmen and Succession, like great stuff. You know,
2: here's my note. Schitt's Creek won too many awards. And they <laughs> from I, like, I, you know, just from a basic structure narrative standpoint, they gave seven awards in a row to Schitt's Creek right off the top. That first hour was just the same room. And like I was fast forwarding on DVR at some point. Congratulations to them. Let me tell you, I've seen five seconds of that show and I knew definitively it was not for me. But again, whatever floats your own particular boat, we all got to find laughs where we can in 2020. But I was fast forwarding and it was just the same room over and over again. I can't say that it was the most riveting television, even though I think those people are very talented and congratulations to them. But but otherwise I agree. It was really fun to see people. And another thing that I was thinking about um, in the after our conversation with Emily Radikowski was just kind of awards shows are one of the last places where celebrities are participating like of their own volition. And yeah. everything that we got to see, and you feel like you got like a taste of of certain people's personalities and their home lives, but it was on their terms. And they were deciding how much they wanted to dress up and deciding like how much they wanted to try. And that was cool. That felt exhilarating because it felt like quote okay. Um, and then it was also just really nice to to be around some famous people for a while. It's still it still has it was. Its appeal to me.
0: I agree. I totally agree. And I I thought of it. The Emmys did a really commendable job of attempting to meet the moment properly. And a lot of that is on um, the winners and particularly the black winners who yes. who um, use the moment uh, to speak. The way that they wanted to. And that was really awesome to see. I also think that the Emmys tried to recognize the COVID moment in a way that is commendable. I I thought that the um pre-recorded spots from like the woman Caroline, who's a rancher, and some of the other ways they tried to include people who weren't famous and are very much involved in this moment. And this is like something that is not only national but global, was was like I said, like commendable. Like I, I thought that like spotlighting a rancher was pretty affecting. Um it's hard to not feel some level of like cynicism about like an award show doing that. But I think that just like, would it have been better to not try to do that? Would it have been better to like, just act like a regular show and go on? I think not. So there was like some awkwardness to kind of, um, I think fitting in some of the, the more like experimental ideas, but I, I really like, I admire it. I think it's, I think
2: it's the good way to do it. I agree. Not everything landed. And there were a few jokes. I think, I personally would like to have taken back, but I think it felt instead of like makeshift and compromised, it felt a little homespun and we're doing the best that we can. And we are acknowledging everything that's going on and, and we're just trying. And I, as a person who invests way too much in awards shows and seeing celebrities on tiny screens, um, really appreciated that.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I also think like just two other people to mention Tyler Perry and Anthony Anderson, who just gave really impassioned speeches. And Mm -hmm. it was cool to hear Tyler Perry speak as Tyler Perry. Like he's obviously in so many of his movies and he plays tons of characters. But like Tyler Perry is like probably one of the most influential living people. And so so infrequently do you hear to hear from Tyler Perry as himself? And like I've I just like really
2: enjoyed that. Just as like a
0: kind of exposure to this
2: really famous, really important person. I completely agree, just related, Tyler Perry. I I rewatched Gone Girl recently because we're doing David Fincher week on The Ringer, and Tyler Perry's so good in that movie. That's all I I've have to I've never seen it.
0: I didn't know he was in it.
2: <laughs> you, Julia Limon, have never seen Gone Girl, the definitive movie about Ben Affleck? I know. Um, it's extraordinary. Did
0: kind of, Tyler Perry play, like, someone similar to Tyler Perry, or is it, like, a totally outside yeah, character for him?
2: It, no, he's playing Tyler Perry as the, de- as the lawyer who defends Ben Affleck, but it like, he is bringing a, a slick Tyler Perry vibe to it. I mean, Interesting. You know, he's, it's, it's a fictional character, right? Yeah. But yeah. It, he's very good. Gotcha. I'm going to watch Gone Girl this week. Maybe I'll do it tonight. I don't have a lot
0: of plans. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it was, it kind of like gave me hope for the Oscars should they happen in April as planned. And I wonder like what the golden globes will do. Like I just, you know, every pop culture industry will have to face this i definitely think the emmys were like the most exciting award show we've had in the last few months and there have been a few um between the acm awards and the vmas um the tony's declined to have an award show which was really silly I, this was like a, kind of a fun event you know i don't know i, I appreciated it and i liked that everyone got dressed up still i thought that was cool
2: I did, too. Doing the best we can. And and I agree. I think this is it's maybe not a blueprint for f- future awards shows, because I think some of the fun in it was the novelty and being like, oh, that now they're at so-and-so's house and oh, they're going to do this now. Um, you know, I thought the the boxes that went to all the uh, variety show, the talk show host nominees and then like one opens if the if you're the winner. I thought that was pretty funny, yeah. but you know, but you can't, re- you can't do that twice. Part of it is like, huh, you're trying this, but I guess it did at least give me hope that there are ways to be creative and to do some version of this um, yeah. in a pandemic.
0: Yeah. I think studio shows, they're trying to figure out how to do them. I was watching some clips of Kelly Clarkson's show, which returned yesterday for season two. This is a, just a brief digression. You know, I love the Kelly Clarkson show. Um, she used her opening monologue to address that she's getting divorced and, mm-hmm. to, and to also point out the technology they were using to have, like, <laughs> virtual fans in the studio. And that's why I love the Kelly Clarkson show. Just really <laughs> a wide range of things happening. I plan to continue to watch clips on YouTube daily, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> Not sponsored. Just Juliet letting yeah. her light shine. Yeah, exactly. Um, this episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. Let's move on to to similarly unsponsored content, but like major point of interest. It came to my attention yesterday that Julia Roberts is moving to San Francisco, or I should say has purchased a home that has been renovated and is nearly complete in San Francisco. I'm sorry that I didn't know about this sooner. Apparently, it first came to light like seven or eight months ago. So first of all, Amanda, I apologize to you. I really I can't believe I missed this.
2: Okay, it's okay. I accept your apology. Were you aware? You're on a three minute run right now. That is like (laughs) for the history books. It's not quite to the Grey's Anatomy speech of 2019, but keep going. Tell me more. Well, did you know? Did you know that Julia Roberts? No, (laughs) no, of course not. I didn't know. I know that Julia Roberts owns an extensive real estate portfolio in Malibu and New Mexico, and so she wanted to add something in San Francisco. I when you shared that with me, I was like, okay, well.
0: She I also learned she also has a home in the West village. Of course, I'm sure it's empty. She should rent it out right now.
2: And at some point I know that she owned property near Hanalei Bay in Kauai. So uh, she did sell, sell that. That's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Agreed. It's, she sold it for 16 million. Apparently.
0: Um, I lived in San Francisco once and for three and a half years, and I was very early to be a vocal critic of the city as a place to live long term. I'm very sorry to my Bay Area colleagues, Logan Murdoch, Rob Mahoney. I know you guys like it there. I'm happy for you. I just like the constant of celebrity in San Francisco is so different than in Los Angeles, and yet it's in the same state. And so Julia Roberts just purchasing a house there and it's the way that these articles are being discussed it's making it seems like she's she's planning to live there apparently she celebrated her 50th birthday in San Francisco i didn't know any of this but she's like a fan of the city
2: well maybe the fact that you didn't know any of this is why julia roberts is moving to san francisco <laughs> because like perhaps it affords a level of privacy that she can't get while walking around in malibu though i will say you don't really see julia roberts in the paparazzi photos that much it's she is in like a protected enclave in Malibu. That's harder to get to. So, um, maybe she just really loves San Francisco. Maybe she likes fog.
0: Okay. I don't this, know. this brings up so many questions that yeah. we'll come back to in one second. I just want to say she's moving to Presidio Heights, which is okay. like the fanciest part of San Francisco. Um, it's an $8.3 million home. That's like an extreme. Im- it's, uh, 6,245 square feet, which is really big for San Francisco, let alone anywhere. And she did a full renovation that I guess has taken like eight or nine months. And I suppose she'll be moving in soon. Presidio Presidio Heights is really nice. It's where Steve Kerr lives. Um, It's like very fancy. It's like probably where many Silicon Valley billionaires live as well. Um, But my first question to you is like, where does Julia Roberts live? Like, what is her primary home?
2: I don't know. I I don't really know. She has three children, right? So I assume it has something to do with school. And I don't know whether they're in school in Malibu or in New Mexico. I mean, I do remember a time, and I think that this is like lodged in my brain primarily because of the Ocean's 12 scene when Julia Roberts is pretending to be... what is Tess. Being Julia Roberts, and she meets Bruce Willis, who thinks she's the real Julia Roberts, and then they have to call her home in Taos because of uh, the SpongeBob doll. So I-, I just am like Julia Roberts lives in New Mexico. that's what, but- that's
0: my thinking as well. I also only know about Taos because of that movie. Like that's like sure. n- Now I know there's like cool rugs there. but, like, I didn't yeah. know about it before. <laughs> and um. She has done like a remarkable job in, uh, since she became what I would call like a serious actress of kind of staying out of the the limelight.
2: Yeah, I think that she had her run in the 90s, which we have discussed in terms of the celebrity coverage on that was the My Best Friend's Wedding rewatchables or yes. was that Pretty Woman? That was My Best Friend's Wedding. But we've talked about Julia Roberts' 90s celebrity and kind of like the the white hot heat of it. Uh, several times. And, you know, for 20 years, she was always referenced as like one of the biggest movie stars in the world. And that was because like she could open a movie if you if there was a Julia Roberts movie, people would go see it. I mean, that wasn't always the case. You know, what was Mary Riley? Do you remember that one? No, I I don't know. I'm and for all I know, Mary Riley made a lot of money, but she was kind of in the center of things. And then for whatever reason, I think probably some personal life, some age and how Hollywood treats women of a certain age. She kind of, and also because she won her Oscar uh, right. for Aaron Brockovich. Then she kind of steps to the left, like stage left, if you will, or maybe stage right. I don't know. Yeah, To the side. And has not been it as like much of a quote celebrity.
0: It's so funny. Like we're going to talk more about it, but in the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Live read. dane cook introduces everyone and he introduces julia roberts as having recently starred in her first television show homecoming which was first of all like two years ago and second of all just like a very funny way to introduce julia roberts i'm, I'm sure she like wanted to be introduced that way because i presume that he like asked these people as a very like intimate homespun event more on that to come of course um But it's just, I don't know. I just was taken aback that she was moving there. I mean, it's a really beautiful area. If you're going to live in San Francisco, like having the stunning views of Presidio Heights makes it really nice. But like San Francisco is a city where it's like four different temperatures, four different like climates per day. So everyone dresses really badly. And because you just like have to wear so many different layers to be ready at all times for like a 30 degree shift in like body temperature. And there's not really like, a scene there at all in a way that's similar to New York or LA, except like the scene is to like layer on Patagonia and carry around a metal, um, coffee cup and like wait outside to get brunch and like just dip in on a hike and like make some granola. And it's just like, I just, I don't know. It's really different.
2: All of that. If you can afford to live there, San Francisco proper, just because of the way that, um, the tech industry has taken over the city and I, Listen, I'm not a local San Francisco <laughs> government expert, but i it's my understanding that the quality of life for people who are not tech billionaires in San Francisco has fallen off dramatically. Dramatically. And that, like, and that the, the the city is kind of just a a, a weird Silicon Valley Disneyland. Um, yeah. Which, it's, which it's doesn't super lend itself to, I don't know. Do you want to live in an, in an office park? I don't. Um, and it can you afford to not unless you're Julia Roberts, but, um, I maybe, maybe one of her, maybe it's a school thing. Maybe it's something for one of her kids. Maybe Danny motors into tech. Maybe she's into tech. Maybe she like was in homecoming and then was like, I'm going to be a part of the revolution. I don't really know.
0: (laughs) It's just a shocking move and I'm going to, I'll, I'll love it. I love it. I'm excited for Julia Roberts to keep us guessing though. It's not the choice I'd make for myself. I think it's great. I just think that, like, if you can afford a 6,000 square foot house with beautiful views and you can leave in the summer so you don't have to experience the San Francisco cold of July, that's dope.
2: Okay. That's great. (laughs) That's not where I thought we were going to end up for you. I'm just Um, so
0: confused by it, but I think that's why I like it. I'm like, cool. Just make your own choices, Julia Roberts. That's great.
2: Yeah. I think that that is one of the things that Julia Roberts has been able to do for her entire life is uh, (laughs) make her own choices. So.
1: tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more on may 10th kingdom of the planet of the apes is coming to imax and theaters everywhere what a wonderful day this summer one movie event will rain. it is our time it's still my village i know where they're taking your clan bend for your king never Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes Only in
0: theaters May 10 Tickets on sale now Rated PG-13 Some material may be inappropriate For children under 13 um, As we mentioned She was in the Fast Times At Ridgemont High Library And mm-hmm. um, Exciting to see her She was She's like, you know Among um, the most famous people And this was packed With really famous people It also had John Legend And uh, Shia LaBeouf And Brad Pitt and jennifer aniston um many others but let's just discuss brad pitt and jennifer aniston for a second uh the internet the internet went crazy over their introductions i believe brad pitt arrives uh before jennifer aniston and when she comes on she greets him with a hi honey and he's like hi aniston and it's very sweet and it reminded me of the brad pitt from hgtv which must be the real brad pitt
2: I have to say, I guess I watched it after everyone freaked out on the internet. I was not as charmed by this.
0: Why not? I thought,
2: Wait, I what thought did I hit it, right for you? Tell me all. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's important to admit up front I hate live reads, hate the concept. I understand that many other people like them. Again, it's just not for me. That's a phrase I'm repeating a lot on this podcast. But so I wasn't that excited about the concept of it. And full disclosure, did not watch the actual live read. But... I did watch the introduction because everyone was like, this is so charming. And I think Brad Pitt starts with, hi, Aniston. And there is something knowing about it, which like you got to be. You want these people to be in on the joke. It is this is a performance. They are agreeing to be in front of the camera. So you don't want but it just felt a little too actory, I guess, or too performancy. I was aware of the machinations, and I feel that Brad Pitt's um, gift as a celebrity and an actor is that he is, he is definitely always manipulating, but he makes it look natural. And I kind of just felt, this felt forced to me. Wow. Wow. So you felt you could <laughs> see the seams in Brad Pitt's performance of celebrity. Yeah, exactly. What did you think about his unkempt hair? Also didn't like that. So listen, everything was against this particular situation, like inflated expectations, not a fan of the format, not a fan of the grooming. You know, I also would say I like, listen, the awards show pitoness and kind of meeting each other was exhilarating for me as well as for everyone else. But I am not really invested in like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston as a long-term entity in the future. It's some fascinating history. I want them each to find peace and health and happiness for themselves. But like, I don't like this whole fan fiction of them getting back together. It just, it's not, it's not for me. I'm not, there's nothing in the back of my mind. That's like, wouldn't that be amazing? So that might be another, another thread. But I just talked about how I wasn't moved by this for a while. So I feel like you possibly had a different experience. (laughs)
0: I just, again, like, was excited that everyone just kind of, like, sat down at their computer at the same time and decided to do this. And the full roster was Jennifer Aniston, Dane Cook, Morgan Freeman, Henry Golding, Jimmy Kimmel, Shia LaBeouf, John Legend, Ray Liotta, Matthew McConaughey, Sean Penn, Brad Pitt, and Julia Roberts. And I just liked the concept of all of these people, like, having a time of day at which they had to be at their computer to do this together. And it's just very difficult to wrangle a group of any nine people, let alone this group of nine. So like just thinking about the logistics and sort of like the alchemy that went into it was exciting for me. And again, like I just are really enjoying seeing people's choices. I-, I think that like I have spent many months exposed to how reality TV is handling COVID, which is like home, home makeup and, and like all of that. And so seeing like the pros kind of come out in the last couple weeks to be like we're back baby here i am super celebrity has just been a wonderful
2: return to to a familiar place i just like excellence i also like as- excellence i think that's valid can i ask you about your experience of like watching the live read yeah sure did you enjoy it no i had to turn it off okay it's like i think some of this is also to me, it's a little bit like when you're in a meeting and someone puts up a PowerPoint or, you know, a slide or whatever, and then reads the slide to you, you yes, know, totally. and I'm just like, I know I, I can read and you have the information here in front of me. And this is like taking forever and there are lags. And I find that all of that wasted time is like exacerbated via Zoom. So I just somehow felt that like a Zoom live read would just be people like, you know, reading a movie to me that I can already watch, but maybe that's ungenerous.
0: And no, I I understand that. I think that, you know, I am sick of like low quality production, but on the other hand, like I, an assembly of celebrities, I still enjoy. So like, yeah, I, 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 I peeked in. And then one of the things that was nice about it is you can just be like, okay, I'm done here. Peace. I'm, I'm out. I, I have to say, I'm like mystified by Dane cook being the leader of this production. Um, I was confused by Dane Cook when he was wildly popular when we were in college and he was doing his comedian thing. I didn't didn't take him for like being the leader of the Fast Times at Ridgemont High virtual table read with this group of ultra famous people. Um, so I also kind of just like wanted to get a feeling for Dane Cook's vibe. I was just like, who is this man these days? But he seemed pleasant enough. He seemed happy to be like emceeing. He seemed like a really great MC. OK, I think that's great. I was not that curious. Did you catch the moment where Chrissy Teigen walked past John Legend's computer and was like, what are you
2: doing? No, but that's funny. I do she, like that.
0: She was like, she I think she genuinely didn't know about this. And John Legend mm-hmm. was like sitting down to do it. And she was like, she looked very nice. She was wearing like a red, I think it was like a robe or a dress. She looked lovely. And like, she just was like, who are you talking to? And then she sees everyone on the screen. She's <laughs> like, oh my God. And she runs away. It was it was really funny. And then Julia Roberts, Jennifer Aniston discuss how they don't look
2: as nice when they're at home, um, just hanging around the house. So I don't that's know. Great. That's great. Yeah. La- I mean, that's nice. That's the stuff I like. And again, to your point, having celebrities all in one place, like of their own volition on their own terms with like slightly better production values than, you know, your average reality yeah. or influencer or Instagram posts. I'm pro all of that. I think I just, frankly, Juliet. I just learned that Borgen, the Danish TV show is finally on Netflix this weekend. And it's been on, it's been on Netflix for several weeks, but I, again, I just was not plugged into that particular corner of the internet and I just wanted to be watching Borgen all of my free watching time, which was not that much because there's a lot going on. I wanted to devote to Borgen and to, and so I didn't watch this and I recommend Borgen to anyone who's interested. And personally, I would not go with the dubbing. I would, I I was going to ask, how's the dubbing? Uh, it. so I had seen Borgen like many years ago via, you know what? It wasn't the most legal of, of ways, but <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm a better person now. Okay. And now, and the problem was, it was that forever, like you couldn't watch Borgen. You had to like buy the, the DVDs, which I don't have a DVD player anyway. So I had seen it with the original Danish and then I turned it on Netflix and I didn't know there was going to be dubbing. And I was like very confused for four minutes. And then I switched it back to Danish with subtitles because that's just how I wanted to watch it. Um, I got to check it out. People are raving about Borgon. It's a great show.
0: Just other personal celebrity news that we'll mm-hmm. come back to in a few weeks time in preparation for the release of Emily in Paris on Netflix, which is Darren Star's new show. Starring Lily Collins. I did a Lily Collins deep dive. Wasn't really Mm -hmm. in my world before. I learned that she's dating Charlie McDowell, son of Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. Oh, I didn't know that. Neither did I. And I really look forward to uh, one day soon discussing this with you. I can't wait. This was filmed in
2: Paris, right? Oh, yeah. It it sure was. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just can you imagine? I, I follow one influencer on Instagram which I'm back on though. I'm like trying to be responsible about, but I'm a human being and I follow one French influencer. I just, what's happening in Paris through the eyes of this influencer who looks for Bardot is just very different from my day-to-day experience. And (laughs) I I'm at a loss sometimes, but it will be nice to see Paris in a, in a fictional setting. Um, we'll
0: discuss it in a few weeks when it's finally out. Um, Last topic of the day. Some the Megan and Harry news. You know, what's a week without some Megan and Harry news? Is it a week at all? They, um, <laughs> their case against, uh, the mail on Sunday continues. It, they're suing associated newspapers, which is the publisher of the mail on Sunday and the mail online. And as part of the proceedings, it came out that, um, to quote the Duchess's lawyer, The claimant, Megan, and her husband did not collaborate with the authors on the book, nor were they interviewed for it, nor do they provide photographs to the authors for the book. The book in question is Finding Freedom, which we have uh, mentioned quite a few times. Um, And I think had just been operating under the assumption that they were somehow involved, much like Diana was somehow involved in Andrew Morton's book about her back in the 90s, I believe. 80s? Can't remember.
2: Book was uh, early 90s, I believe. Right.
0: And I just thought that was noteworthy.
2: Yeah. Um, I, there is, it's very specific wording and I I did read, I couldn't sleep a couple nights ago for, um, you know, uh, it's 2020 that's why. (laughs) And so I reread part of the Tina Brown book because that's what I do when I can't sleep. I know it's very weird. And I was rereading part of the Andrew Morton section and I, um, I think that there are a lot of different. Definitions of collaboration, and and I, and I I think this is a legal case, and I the two things I would say is number one use the law to the full extent that you can, Megan and Harry, and number two I I don't really think that there's anything wrong with uh, speaking to someone and letting your version of events go on, and I like I, I think that there's just kind of the timing of this case and everything that's happened in their life and the book is all like a bit confusing and there's kind of a transitional moment for them and also for their press strategy, which I continue to think is slightly muddled. Um, And again, they're trying to, they moved literally across the world and have had to move again and are trying to figure out what a post Royal life looks like. So I, you can understand why, but I think it's just, there's a lot of information coming all at once that. I wish I had a, or I think if I were them, where I were advising them press strategy, I, like I'm looking forward to when I know what Harry and Meghan are for, and like what their next chapter is, and what I can like affirmatively av- invest attention in them for, if that makes any sense, and that obviously takes time, but I that's kind of my read on all of it.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think the wording of this stuff is very specific. There's just like so many other small things that happen like every day related to them. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted by it. I can't imagine being them. Like just like two small examples: Harry has birthday. Um, All the royal accounts posted pictures of Harry with Will and Kate, and like left Meghan out. And then (laughs) that's then that starts like a whole round of rumors about like who's mad, who's not mad, what are they trying to say? Are Harry and Will talking? Harry and Will are talking more than than they were before. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. And then Jessica Mulroney like posted on Instagram that she's still friends with Megan and like Megan's a great friend and then deleted it shortly thereafter. (laughs) And it's just like, it's just like remove yourself from this. Like Jessica, you may not want to be, but we are excluding you from this narrative. You're out. And it's just like, there's just so much shit every day. It seems really hard. I can't imagine being them. I would have to live in a very carefully curated bubble where I only had the information flow was very, very controlled, inward and outward.
2: Yeah, I agree. And you know, hopefully they'll get there. I think the this lawsuit will be really interesting because it's so hard to tell on stuff like this what is about the inciting incident. And that's not to dismiss the inciting incident or to say that it like wasn't very hurtful for Meghan Markle to have this letter published in the Daily Mail and to like the the way that the media handled um her father and the events around the wedding was just really upsetting and i think that was like genuinely personally upsetting but then you also wonder and how much of this will just be a precedent in terms of trying to relitigate quite literally what media protections they have and that'll be really interesting and um i think like right now we're just kind of getting like the nitty gritty back and forth legal machinations, which are part of the legal process for better or usually for worse. But I like I am I am pretty curious to see because I listen, I think that they are completely right that the media was just way too invasive and and way too. We you know, it's what we keep talking about. Like we need some sort of adjustment on all of these things. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see how it turns out. It's supposed to the trials not till 2021. Right. Correct. I think also that's like a really good point
0: that there needs to be some kind of like correction over the invasiveness. And that's one of the reasons why the Emmys and the live read and this mm-hmm. stuff is cool is because mm-hmm. it is stuff that the it's, it there are events that the celebrities are actively participating in and sort of inv- and literally inviting the cameras in. And like, mm-hmm. that was what was so cool about what I, you know, about seeing people's homes is that also like they were a part of it, which is quite different than a lot of the paparazzi culture. That reminds me, have you watched the home edit?
2: But Juliet, I have not. I like, I've heard good things. I know what the home edit is. I've seen them on Instagram.
0: I wouldn't okay. seek out the TV show, but the first episode, the first client is Reese Witherspoon. And they, <gasps> or- they, no orga- one told me this. They organize. That's why I asked. They organize, um, her like memorabilia costumes and awards dresses from like legally blonde and like several legally Blonde's is a main focus point, but like from a certain, very specific era and uh, you see her closet quite a bit.
2: Is it walk in? Give me the. It's just like breakdown. a. breakdown. It's like a
0: closet for just like the memorabilia from a very discreet time period. I think it's like the 2000s, perhaps. Um, and it's a bigger closet than I've ever had. And it's just like probably like her fifth closet.
2: OK, well, you know, something to aspire to. I sure. Guess. Yeah. So, you know, you might want to check it out. It's kind of fun. Um, OK, Maybe I will. I like, I don't know. I My house personally right now is such a total mess that I think I would find it stressful.
0: I don't think you'll like the way that they organize and like their styles. So I don't think it. I think you'll just be like, no, thank you. But it's probably worth it for the comp, the completism as it relates to Reese Witherspoon.
2: OK, thank you for the heads up. I appreciate this. I This is what I need. No one told me about Borgen for like two weeks. I literally like
0: most of my life outside of doing my job here at my table is like checking to see what's on Netflix and like, is there something new for me? So (laughs) I, uh,
2: I'm here. I got you covered. Keep it up. Services much appreciated. You're
0: so welcome. Um, thank you all for
2: listening. We'll be back next week.